This is The Real Magic Podcast. Learn about great design and use it to get great results. Now your hosts, Greg Merrilies and Alan Nunez. Hello, listener, and thank you for joining Greg and I today for The Real Magic Design Podcast, where we unpack our experience to help designers and business owners understand how to do amazing designs and work together to make design that is profitable. I am Alan from Pixel Partners HQ and with me today is Greg from Studio One Designs. How are you today, Greg? Oh, good, buddy. Yeah, pretty excited about the guests we've got. We've got to get a, an update on the AdWords platform, the beast that it is today. So uh, yeah, we've got Matt Holmes coming in very shortly. How are you, buddy? Yeah, Matt, I'm awesome. And you know what? I'm not going to fart ass around today. We're going to get straight into this because it, it's a pretty meaty topic. I mean, Matt is going to take us through you know what is new in adwords he's going to give us the top mistakes that diy adwords users make and you know we're going to talk about the benefits of using an experienced ad manager versus doing it yourself uh you know what's what's new what's coming up i mean adwords is just changing so much so why don't we just uh you know we'll we'll get into this and we'll find out how to turbocharge your adwords results absolutely all right so welcome matt and for the benefit of our listeners, please give us an overview of who you are and share a brief story of what it is that you do and your journey of how you got to where you are today. No problem. Well, thanks for having me on, Greg and Alan. I run a full-service digital agency called CHM Strategy. However, much of our work over the last couple of years very least includes a component of sort of creating and managing AdWords campaigns for our clients. And the majority of our AdWords work centres on lead generation for businesses, though we've done a little bit of e-commerce and so forth, but that's that's kind of not a major part of our work. In terms of me, I've taken a, a bit of a convoluted path to sort of get where I am today. Uh, I started off as a chiropractor almost 25 years ago, uh, and as part of running my own practice, I taught myself digital marketing, which is probably a situation that many small business owners can relate to. Um, and then I had friends asking me to help them with their online marketing, and then about six or seven years ago, we decided to go down the path of actually building an agency to do this full-time. And now we're in the situation, we've got a couple of full-time staff, including myself, as well as sort of four part-timers and several contractors and so forth. Thanks, Matt. It is awesome to have you here, and what a, what a great story. Look, I mean, this episode, we're, we're digging into AdWords again. We had Ilana on last year, so uh, and which gave us a, a great overview of, of online advertising, um, but you're going to dig a little deeper into sort of the current strategies. I mean, the thing with the AdWords platform is it's constantly changing, isn't it, Matt? Absolutely. I mean, Alana provided some great episode, uh, sorry, great info in that episode. So if you know, if anybody missed it, definitely go back and get it. But you know, as as AdWords is is changing and evolving and so forth, you really need to make sure that you're using it properly to get your ads in front of your targeted prospects and and so on and so forth. And I think one of the biggest problems is that most business owners just use all the default settings, or they use AdWords Express, which is probably not the best way to make the most out of your advertising dollar so I'm, I'm sure we can we can dig deeper into into that so do you want to start on what you know what maybe some of the the changes in AdWords have been over the last year or so absolutely it's comprised of two main parts which are the search network and the display network and the search network is, is 
I'm sure all your listeners are familiar is when somebody goes to Google's main website or one of their search partners and they search for something, for example, widget makers Melbourne. And if you're a widget maker in Melbourne, then clearly you want to show your ads to those people and you can do that on Google's uh, results page. Now, that's great if if you've got somebody who's actively searching for something and they're interested in that and they're therefore more likely to take action and buy based on what you're offering and and so forth on on the search network. The other network is is what's known as the display network and this is the one that Alana went into in Great Tips last time and it's the one that is, is very often overlooked but it's a network of websites that Google has access to on which they can show your ads uh, and in, in addition to the websites it also has the Gmail inbox and mobile apps and things like that. So it's, it's pretty cool because if somebody say in the research phase of the buying cycle and they're not sort of clicking on ads in the search results you can still be showing them your ads next to or embedded within the sort of content that they're reading on the website at that particular time. So, you know, if you're a t-shirt designer, yeah, Greg, then you could show your ads on websites, you're talking about corporate embroidery styles or, or something similar like that. And I'm mm-hmm. sure you've done that something similar in the past. Yeah, we have tested that. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Now, As listeners are probably also familiar, there's this third type of sort of network, which is called remarketing, which straddles the two. You probably know the idea that you you tag people or cookie them um, in inverted commas when they come to your website, and then you show them ads on the display network. And previously, that was only just for the display network, but there's now what is known as um, remarketing lists for search advertising. So when you have people say come to your website, you put them on this remarketing list. If they then go back to Google's main search network and type in a search phase, uh, phrase, then what's going to happen is that you have the opportunity to bid more or less for those people when they perform that search query. So the reason you'd want to do this is that if you have people who are already indicating some sort of interest in your product or service and therefore they're more likely to perhaps convert than somebody who's coming completely cold, it makes sense to place a higher bid for those people. And so this is really good in the way that Google's introduced this ability for you to target those people that have already displayed an interest when they're actually searching as opposed to just on the display network before. Mm-hmm. So that's that's obviously a bit of an overview of AdWords. But there is one change that I'd really like to highlight that I think has real definite here and now practical implications for the, the listeners. And that's the breakdown of what is known as the quality score. When Google's, uh, sorry, when you're running AdWords ads, the quality score is something that Google calculates for your different keywords based on things like your historical click-through rate, the relevance of your ads, and the quality of the landing page relative to the keyword, and, and a couple of other factors as well. And most importantly, your quality score determines pretty much how much you're going to pay for your clicks, so how much you're going to pay when somebody clicks on your ad, uh, because Google likes to reward those people that are actually having useful things for its users, because the more relevant the search results, the more likely people are to come back to Google, so Google will reward you for making their search engine more relevant for people. So as a consequence, you're going to pay less for your clicks, and also you tend to get better ad position, as in your ads are going to show higher up the page, and you tend to get better clicks through rates and and so forth. So it's really getting smarter, isn't it? Yeah, it is very much so. And one of the 
interesting things is that previously quality score was a bit of a black box. You never knew quite which components were dragging down a particular quality score, mm. whether it was click-through rate or ad relevance or the landing page quality and so forth. And and I think this is a bit overdue, but Google is now starting to give you that information so that you they give you direct feedback on the ad's relevance to the keyword um, and also your landing page relevant to the keyword. So you can know if you've got a below average landing page rank that that's the problem and that's what you need to work on and that can hopefully then bring your cost per click down and improve the AdWords results that you're getting. I have to hear a little bit more about this because I think, you know, quality score is something that, I mean, you described it so well, it was just a black box, you know, and uh, I know that I've actually logged in while you were talking about I've logged into my AdWords account because I want to see uh, what you what you're talking about and, and maybe a little bit more of a description of this might be great for the listener because they can log in and have a look as well but traditionally the quality score was next to your keyword that you were bidding on that's correct yes and most people assume that the the main part of that relevance was if you're the page you were driving the people to were relevant to the customer and there's a there's a bunch of stuff involved in that you know what keywords you have in your metadata what content you have on the page what you know does it have good mix of you know images words videos that kind of thing and how long do people stay on the page but what you're saying now is that they're giving you an idea of quality score for those items broken down is that something you see in your adwords account or your google analytics account it's in the AdWords account. So if you do have it set up in your AdWords account to already show quality score, you need to modify the columns that are shown in your ad account on the keywords tab. So hopefully we're not losing people here, but basically if you go into your AdWords account um, and along the top there's campaigns, ad, ad groups and, and so on. And if you click on the keywords tab, Underneath there, there's all the things like, you know, number of clicks, the ads receiving conversions and uh, sorry, the keywords receiving and so forth. Um, and there's a little button called columns, I think it is, or modify columns. And if you click on there in one of the menu options, it gives you now the option to select to display those columns. So you have to dig in a little bit to actually show it up but it's definitely worth doing that. You know, if listeners have got any questions about how they go about doing that or whatever, feel, you know, they can ping me an email or ask a question in the comments and I can perhaps give a little bit more step-by-step -step guide as to how to actually go about showing that in your AdWords account. I've just taken a, I've just taken a screenshot, so I'll pop it, pop it on the, the, the episode, but it's really interesting now that it's here, you know, I'm seeing pages that have a quality score of 8 and nine out of 10, which is pretty good. But the ad relevance is being marked as below average and the landing page is being marked as above average, which means there's a disconnect there. It does, yes. And I mean, who knows how Google exactly weights the algorithm for this particular part of AdWords. And yeah, I, I'm not exactly sure with that because I've seen it go either way where the landing page is, is not so good but the ad relevance is good and they've had better uh, quality scores um, I have to say in my experience the landing page seems to be the one that is the most important but not always you know in, in typical Google fashion yeah, no, really, really interesting. I know that we're just sort of tip of the iceberg here with the tips and tricks you've got, but I, um, I thought that's an interesting change because if you don't have, if you don't know, and you don't have that column activated, which I didn't in my AdWords account, um, 
I would never have known that that was even available. So, you know, thank, thanks for that. At the end of the day, though, wouldn't you say that Google's, you know, they want to help you, but they're trying to make money as well. So, you know, they're going to set things up in favour of them making more money. Is that is that right? Sort of, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure there's Google people here listening to this. <laughs> well, there's investors on board, of course. You know, they've got to make money for the investors. Yeah, and they want to make money. And But at the end of the day, I mean... It's in their interest to make advertisers win and Google's users win and everything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, you touched on AdWords Express before, and you know, I'm pretty cynical about that as to whether that's much much use for advertisers compared to making Google money. But certainly, they they give you the the opportunities within the main AdWords console. It's just you've got to know how to use them. Unfortunately, is it getting easier to use for the average user or harder? Uh, in many ways, I think it's actually getting a little bit harder. Just in that you know the the complexity of what Google is offering is is getting much deeper in mm. effect you know the the different targeting options that they're offering now and you know previously you had one quality score metric to look at and now there's three that you've got to take into account and while that's probably useful in this case you know it, as they're splitting things up and making things more not complicated but you, your ability to narrow down on things is is increasing the complexity as an necessity goes up with that. And that's why we've got you on this podcast, so you can help break it down. So that is awesome. Let's just talk about, like, before we get into some tips, can you share a case study example of the results that you're getting using these latest techniques? Absolutely. It's, you know, if you go in there and you set things up easily, it's, uh, sorry, well, it's fairly easy to get some pretty good results. But I mean, an example is we've, we've just brought on board somebody whose campaigns were getting results, but they wanted to get better results than what they were getting. So we adjusted, just went in and tweaked some keyword match types. So took it out of broad match and put it into more specific exact and phrase match type terms. And we broke their campaigns down into more distinct entities because we could see that some were eating up more budget than others. And so we wanted to break those out so that we could watch those and make sure that they were doing what they were supposed to do. And did some things like refining their conversion tracking and so on so that you, you could be sure that they were convert, uh, sorry, tracking the conversions that they wanted. Um, and in the first couple of weeks, they had about a 350 increase in the conversions and an 82% decrease in their cost per click that they were getting. So, Which just means that they can put more money into successful ads. I mean, uh, uh, Greg, you know, I'm a little cynical sometimes too about uh, you know, Google wanting to make money. But the reality is, is that successful ad campaigns make more money. And I think that's one of the reasons why Google is breaking down AdWords into smaller, more concise uh, elements. I mean, Greg, when you and I started in AdWords, there was, you know, the search network and the display network. And now you've got in-market, you've got display select, you've got a lot more control on your display network placements. You can do uh, search advertising based, uh, action based, so not just keyword based. So if, if people are, are taking actions, you can do search network. Like there's just so much more, and it does for the average business owner. It adds a level of complexity. But what it does mean is that they can get, like like Matt just described, they can get a much better return on their dollar if they use a good AdWords manager. Yeah, got it. Well, I was going to say one of the things that's now happening with this client is that they've freed up budget and so we can look at other things like YouTube advertising and other display network campaigns that they weren't able to do previously um, because their budget was being eaten up. 
Mm. Yeah, and then they make more sales, so then their budget increases and they put more in AdWords. Hey, listen, Matt, what are some of the mistakes that people should try and avoid to, to have successful AdWords or not? You know, I think one of the biggest problems is people think, oh, AdWords is great. I'm going to start. They put a bunch of money in there. They burn through that money really, really quickly. They don't see any results. So what kind of mistakes are people making that cause that, that effect? Yes, well, I mean, in answer to that, I'd say the the biggest one in that scenario is that they've they've maybe not gone in with clear uh, sort of objectives or if they have they've they've not really sort of thought about it and said well this is going to take some time for me to get it right I mean it's very rare that you go into any sort of sales lead generation type approach and and nail it down down pat I mean if you do SEO it's going to take you six to twelve months minimum if you do content marketing and outreach and all this type of things all those things are going to take time for you to uh, refine that funnel and it's exactly the same with AdWords you have to be prepared to allocate some budget and know how you're going to test and refine it in order to get that beyond that I kind of break it down into three things in that I they kind of make mistake outside mistakes outside of AdWords. They make mistakes actually in the AdWords platform and then they make mistakes after the people have left the AdWords platform. And so maybe if I break it up like that. Mm. I mean the the first one and I'm you guys have covered this so many times in your podcasts previously but not knowing who your target market is. Um, what their problems are, what they want and what really motivates them to buy. You know, is it a fear or is it a seeking a benefit and what exactly what type of benefit is? Do they want the ego strokes of this particular thing? Do they want the, you know, do they have a desperate need in their business that they need this particular thing or, or whatever? So how would they find that out if they don't have that information? Well, that's really going to be just sort of general customer research. So they need to know and, and create an avatar for the particular client. So you'd kind of be hoping that if somebody is in business that they have a bit of an idea about the types of people that are, are sort of looking for their particular products. Um, but they should really take that a step further and actually think about other aspects of that person. So for example, with quite a number of our health clients, we sort of uh, market ADHD type treatments and so for those types of clients you might think well who's the target market and you think well the person who's got ADHD but in actual fact it's not the person who has ADHD that's take, making the buying decision most of the time because most of them are kids and it's the mums that are usually the ones that make the healthcare decisions in most families and so they really should be targeting their advertising towards mums of certain demographics you know certain income levels or family income levels because most of these clinics are private clinics and so if people can't afford the treatment and, and so forth. So they really need to step take a step back and actually think about, you know, who's making the buying decision, what's motivating it, you know, what what motivates a mum to take action to treat her child's ADHD using because a lot of our people use sort of more natural approaches in inverted commas um, so this type of mum is somebody who doesn't want to um, have somebody put their kids on medication for example so they're after a more natural approach and so you need to answer that and then they've, they've got fears about the fact well if I don't put my kid on medication as is my kid going to go backwards and are they going to miss out at school and how are you going to make sure that that doesn't occur and things like that and the more you can dive into it and the more you can understand exactly what the motivations are for your particular niche, the better you are going to do at crafting an offer that actually motivates them to take action. 
And just on that too, I know there's there's people out there going, oh, but you know, I'm business to business and I deal with anybody who's in business or, you know, I deal with all consumers. Well, that's all good and fine, but what you can then do is break it down and, and profile smaller groups and then target your advertising to each of those smaller groups so it's relevant. So, you know, if you're a business to business service and you sell, uh, I, I don't know, manila folders and say, well, I deal with everybody in business, you could set up an ad campaign for trade and why a manila folder is good for tradies to store all their quotes in and then a different one for accountants and professionals and so on. So, you know, it, it's even if you have a very broad market, you can still create these target avatars. You just have to put the time, effort and energy into it. Absolutely. And if you've only got a small amount of time to do this, which, you know, as a business owner, this you could argue that this is probably one of your primary things you should be doing. But, you know, if you're fighting fires in your business, then pick the couple that are making up the most sales within your business and the ones that generate you the best return and do those first and then just send the rest of them to a generic thing until you get time to sort that out. But really go for those ones that are most valuable for your business first. It's all about testing, isn't it? So what mistakes do you see inside AdWords? Well, the biggest one, and you know, we've touched on this twice already, is that you know, going into the default or using the default AdWords Express option. Again, another one of our health clients, he, he does acupuncture. He's a chiropractor and he does acupuncture. So he doesn't do normal acupuncture, he just does a, a bit of acupuncture for back pain and things like that. And so what he did was he went with the AdWords Express to start with because he didn't know any better. Um, and they had him targeting people who were seeking treatment for menopause treatments with acupuncture and period pain and things like that and this guy had no idea how to treat any of that (laughs) but he was paying for these clicks and what was happening was people were clicking on his ads they were going to the landing page seeing that of course that it was completely irrelevant to them Um, and wasting all that money from his point of view it was driving down his quality scores his etc etc so it was really not a good thing for him to be doing and because you don't get much control over the keywords that you you're selecting the um, match types that you can use within AdWords Express and so on. Unless you've got a really good reason, I think that nobody should go for AdWords Express. That's my personal opinion anyway. I love that. But just on that, you really touch on the fact that landing pages are extremely important. It needs to be congruent with the ad and the messaging, right? Uh, Absolutely. Yes. And that's one of the ones, the big mistakes that people make after that I categorize as after AdWords is that they don't match the landing page to the actual um, campaign that they're running. And just like Alan said before, if you've, you know, if you're targeting manila folders for tradies, you're going to want a landing page with pictures of tradies on it, but you don't send the accountant to the page with the pictures of tradies on it because it's it just not going to resonate with them and it's not going to convert and, and everything else. So. Yeah, but it's more than just the imagery, isn't it? Like it's all about the language and the and the pain points and the copy on the ad to the to the landing page. Absolutely, yeah, because because the motivation for a trader is different from the motivation of a, an accountant, and so you need to to craft your copy and and obviously the image selection and everything else around that for sure. Yeah, awesome. All right, so we jumped around a bit. That was mistakes after AdWords. Do you have any more inside AdWords? Yes, one of the biggies that I see is that when people actually set up their campaigns, particularly when they're creating search network campaigns, the default option is that Google will include the display network in that search campaign. And that's a a really bad idea most of the time. Probably the biggest reason is that it dilutes your click-through rate. 
And so click-through rate being a component of quality score is that it's going to affect your quality score and, and so forth. And the targeting options on the display network are going to be linked in with the uh, search campaign and so you don't have the proper control that you should get with a normal display campaign and, and so forth. So I would always recommend to people that they separate out a search and display campaign when they do it. So when you're actually going through the setup stages for the campaign you'll see the, the option and it will say search with display uh, select and then what you want to do is you want to untick the search, uh, sorry, the display network part of it and just have it search network only. So they set that up like that as default, do they? Yeah, they will default it to include the display network and that's, you want to turn that off. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, you know, an ad for the search network is vastly different to an ad for the display network. I mean, just for the for the listener so that they understand, the search network is when somebody is typing in a keyword so, so that they're actively looking. They're looking for something. So you write your ad for that person who is looking for whatever they've typed in, whereas the display network is interruptive marketing, a little bit like press ads in a newspaper as you're reading you're flicking through reading the articles if you're reading the business section and there's a full page ad for the best accounting service in Australia that's interruptive but it might get your attention but it's it's different somebody's not reading the business section of the newspaper specifically looking for an accountant does that make sense absolutely that's a that's a really good way of summarizing it for sure and what what other mistakes do they make within adwords or or are we are we done on that bit well, the other one is, which we've kind of touched on before with when we were talking about quality scores, is not matching keywords properly with the ads. So this is when you have people who have 100 keywords within one ad group and they've got this really generic ad that doesn't match up with the keywords. And so you have people that are searching for something different and the ads that are showing are not quite so relevant and so that then drives down their click-through rate and they pay more cost per click and things like that. So I would recommend having smaller ad groups depending on the size of the market that you're going after. If you're going after very big or high volume type keywords, you really should be putting a single keyword into a ad group and targeting the, the ad directly to that keyword. Whereas if you're going after some that are say smaller volume, you may have a your five or ten that are fairly closely related and group those into an ad group and then target the ad specifically to those and then send those on to a, a quite dedicated or certainly a relevant landing page for that particular ad copy and so forth. Um, and, and part of that also is making sure that your keyword selection is matching the buying cycle. So, you know, if you've got somebody who's in a research phase of the buying cycle or the, or the buying stages, you don't necessarily be wanting to show them buy type ads. Um, you want to probably be trying to show them your ads that, you know, click here to read more about this particular product or get more information or learn which is the best best product to answer X, pro, uh, X problem or so on. Um, whereas if you've got people who are including things like buy widgets now, you know, send them straight to your purchase page. You know, make sure that you're targeting the correct phase correctly. I was just going to say that it really depends on that, on that where they're at in the cycle because I know for a fact that, um, you know, in e-commerce, if you send people to 
what, say, Ezra Firestone, you know, e-commerce guru, calls a pre-selling page. It's essentially educating people. He's essentially sending people to a blog post, educating people, pre-selling them on the solution to their problem being the actual product. So that would be like an in-post ad that converts really well because you've pre, you know, pre-educated them before, before you send them to a product page. And look, I was going to say too, that this strategy is super, super powerful. And it is probably one of the best reasons to use an ad manager, because I can tell you from personal experience that sitting there with the basic user interface and setting up one ad group per keyword is quite a cumbersome job but ad managers who have uh, high level accounts with Google also have a bunch of tools that allow them to do this sort of large volume setup a lot easier than than it would be for the average business user. Absolutely. I mean, if you're going to take a day out of your business to set up all your AdWords campaigns properly, I mean, just think about what your hourly rate is. The, the cost of that is is huge compared to what you could invest in getting a, a professional to do the job and probably get a better result. Yeah. And in a day, you might get 10 or 15 done. And, you know, in the equivalent amount of time that an ad manager can do it, uh, they could probably get double or triple that live and also set up correctly because i guarantee you you know trying to trying to do this yourself if you're getting started is great but the moment you have the budget i suggest getting an ad manager in i couldn't agree more and we'll ask where people can contact you later for this matt but <laughs> but for now the the fact that you're you're giving your time up to educate and you put a lot of effort into this you know we really appreciate it. i'm sure the listeners do and you know this is the type of value you get when you hire somebody like matt so you know by all means at the end of this we're going to give Matt's details and reach out to him if you've got any questions he'd love to help but so what about for people that do want to do it themselves Matt like can we now take a look under the hood to see your secret weapon ninja tricks and any sort of hidden features and hacks that will catapult results for our listeners yeah so there's a couple of sort of hidden tricks or hidden features that Google has kind of, I suppose, inserted in recent years, particularly as they've started to focus more and more on mobile. And these ones are probably more for local businesses who have actually got an office and they're trying to get people to actually come into the business, but still can be relevant in other ways. And and that's some of the features around mobile targeting. So what you can now do in Google is that depending on where the person is located with their mobile phone, you can actually bid more for people or less for people accordingly. So if you're running a, you know, a cake store in a particular high street and you want to target people located within, say, a mile or two of where you are, you can adjust your bids on Google to pay more for those people because they're clearly worth more to your business than somebody who's located on the opposite side of the city because the chances of them actually coming in and, and purchasing a cake from you are much higher. So so you definitely want to take, uh, take advantage of that. Another thing with mobile is that make sure that you set up call extensions. So this is where you people can actually call you directly from the ad. They don't even have to actually go to your website. Um, and Google will track the conversion for you. They'll tell you how long the ad went, uh, sorry, how long the call went for and so on. So you can track your metrics as to whether or not these are converting and so on. How does that work? Do they give you your own number? What you do is you put your phone number into their platform. Um, but of course, because it's actually calling direct from the Google search engine results on the page, the exact specifics of it, I don't know. But 
I'm assuming what they're doing is they're tracking it via another number. So someone's going to click that, um, it directly calls um, and then routes through to your number. So, uh, that we, so if they click to call, it records a bit. What if somebody just reads it and punches it into their phone? Uh, well, it's actually a button. It's not actually the number. Ah, there you go. Right, yeah. understood. Yep. Yeah, so that's that's going to be the difference. I mean, if you are sending people to a landing page where you'd like to actually be uh, tracking conversions of how many people just type in the number, then that's when you start getting into using call tracking numbers and so on. Um, and then you can be recording calls and finding out how long they're going for and, you know, eavesdropping on your staff and make sure they're doing the job right and all this type of stuff <laughs> as well. So Yeah, so that's where you'd have a unique number for that ad. Yes, you can do. And you can set it up that it will just allocate it depending on where the person's coming from and, and so forth. So you can get very Yeah, that makes targeted. sense. Um, and the other one is, is demographic targeting. Um, Google has got better with their demographic targeting than what they were. So you may want to be sort of setting things up so that you're targeting people by age range when you're actually uh, setting up the ad campaigns, particularly for display network campaigns. One thing you still need to be careful of is though that unless somebody's logged into their Google account, they will fall into what Google calls the unknown bracket. Um, so if you're setting something up, always make sure that you leave the unknown bracket included in the demographics because otherwise you're potentially going to miss out on people. But I suppose feeding on from that, probably the, one of the best hacks that we've come up with is, and we've heard about and implemented in our campaigns as well, um, is using Facebook demographic-based ad campaigns to actually create remarketing lists in AdWords. So in that situation, using Facebook's demographic targeting, which is much better than AdWords, you can send people to a a landing page that is specific to them. But on that, what you have is a particular AdWords remarketing cookie so that they get added to the demographic list for that particular AdWords. And so you can then use AdWords to market to those people safe in the knowledge that they are actually getting ads that are relevant to them and, and useful and so forth. Oh, that's powerful. Al, have you come across that before? Oh, uh, yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And, and I mean... It- yeah, for some businesses, um, there's huge advantages to this. What's the Matt? What's the current? I don't know if it's changed actually. What's the current time frame that you can hold somebody in a remarketing list in 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 AdWords? Is it still five hundred and something days? Yeah, it's it's roughly about a year and a half. Right. So let me plant the seed for for some business owners of how powerful this could be. Right. So you could do demographic. I'm going to make this up. Let's say uh, you understand your clients and their buying cycle and you can predict when they may need something. So, for example, um, you could consider somebody who's just got engaged or just changed their profile to married and they're a female within a certain age range. If you can get them onto a remarketing list with something related to their, maybe their wedding, you could potentially remarket, say you're a car dealership, you could remarket to them for a family car in a year and a half's time. You know, it's it's pretty powerful. And I mean, I'm, that's an extreme. That's talking about a year and a half down the track. But there's so many examples where, you know, if somebody is uh, researching healthy diets, right, sometime in the next six months, it could be highly likely that they're looking for a personal trainer. Absolutely. And for a lot of businesses, you're not going to want to keep people on a remarketing list for any more than, say, 30 days because you don't want to 
you know, if somebody's displayed an interest and they haven't taken action within 30 days, then they're probably not going to be buying your product anytime soon. But if you're using these sort of cross-marketing channels where you're, you know, you're, you're looking at they've made one sort of purchasing decision and therefore X amount of time down the track, there's an increased likelihood that they are going to make another purchasing decision on another type of product. Uh, that's, that's just genius to do it that way, I reckon. So for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and, I mean, those were two examples that were really sort of outside the box and way, way down the track. But I guess this comes down to knowing your target market, understanding where they're coming from and then where they're heading to. The other thing, too, is it's a great way. I mean, you know, there's the common analogy of, of building your business. You know, there's three ways to do it. You can get more clients. You can get them to buy more often, or you can have them buy at a higher price, right? But the idea to get them to buy more often, if you can just get, if you can break them down into demographics and then get them into a remarketing list, you've potentially got a year and a half that you could then pop an upsell in front of them, knowing what they've purchased from you, knowing what their demographic is, um, and have it, you know, super, super targeted and get that, that second component, buying more often, really really easily absolutely and and you you clearly should be setting up different remarketing lists for people who have you know, displayed an interest and not purchased and displayed an interest and purchased and and you know gone on to buy x products afterwards and so forth so that you're not showing the wrong ads to the wrong people um, the real challenge with this though comes in is is volume and if you're not doing enough volume through these then you won't end up with enough people on your remarketing lists to be able to actually do this degree of targeting so it depends on the size of your business and the volume of people that you're running through it and so forth um, but for a lot of businesses this can work extremely well so what do you think i mean you talked about demographic targeting in in facebook and my apologies to the listener this episode's going a little longer than normal but um i've got a question for you uh, let's say you have not a remarketing list, but an actual database of people who have purchased, and it may be fairly small. What do you think about using things like the Facebook lookalike campaigns to then generate, drive people that are similar to your buyers to a landing page and then get have the opportunity to remarket to them? Is that is that just going too far outside for the average small business owner? No, I don't think it is. It depends on your market. Again, I mean, if you're trying to do lookalike audiences, then, you know, if you're just doing a, a geographic area, a couple of suburbs in a particular city, then it's you can't really do lookalike audiences because they're national. But if you are a national business, then absolutely take advantage of that and look at all the cross-platform opportunities that exist out there particularly between the two biggies of Facebook and AdWords Um, and you can get really funky with some of the stuff that you do and, and creating options and so on. Man, that's incredible how smart it is. And obviously, they're just going to keep getting smarter. So are there any new features coming out like this year or in the near future? Yeah, there's a couple of things sort of based on artificial intelligence, which is obviously a real, real buzzword at the minute. Mm. And some of them are a little bit spooky, actually, if you ask me. The first um, <laughs> is is what's known as in-market audiences. Now, this hasn't actually launched yet, but they say it's coming later in 2017. But this is a display network audience, but Google can now tell when somebody is entering the buying or closing stages of being in a particular market. 
So, so previously, when when you're advertising on the display network, it was hard to really target those ads to just to those people that were in the buying stage, particularly given that display network is more about people who are doing research because you're putting them in articles and, and you're next to articles and stuff like that. Um, whereas on the search network, clearly that's much easier through the keyword choices that you use and so on. Um, but now Google can actually identify these people to, uh, for you um, and you know, surprise surprise you can decide to bid more for those people to show your ads to them um, and that's that's pretty cool really and it kind of just sort of diff- shows how far Google has come in interpreting user behavior and, and so on. The second feature is is something that's also coming later into uh, 2017 and this is is similar in that it's what's called life event targeting so similar to the in-market audience, Google can tell when somebody's going through a life event, like they're moving house, they're getting married, or they're getting divorced, or, or whatever, based on their online behavior. Um, so you're soon going to be able to target people based on that. So you know you may well not have many house insurance providers in, in the podcast audience, but you know maybe you've got small florists who could use this to target people for things like wedding flowers and, and so on and so forth. In my- market has been phenomenal. I mean, it amazes me how right Google actually get this. And the fact that they're expanding on that and releasing new things is is pretty amazing for the advertisers. Um, you just need to tap in on how to use it. And again, using a, a good ad manager will help with that. Uh, look, Matt, that's been absolutely uh, awesome. Do you want to just tell a listener, you know, if they want to discover more about you or your business, how they might connect with you? Yeah, for sure. I mean, what we've done is we've actually, we have a, an AdWords audit tool that we use and we're going to make that available to listeners of The Real Magic. So if they want to go to chmstrategy.com, that's C for Charlie, H for Hotel, M for Mother, strategy.com forward slash The Real Magic. Basically, there's there's a service there that will perform an audit of your AdWords account and will give you feedback on how you can improve the results that you, you're getting. Um, they just have to sign into their AdWords account and allow the tool access and it will go through and give them a, a report and give them some hints and so on about how they could be getting better results. Um, alternatively, if they've just got some questions they want to ask me, by all means, um, pop along to our website or just you know leave a question in the comment section of this episode and I'll be sure to uh, pop back and answer it. That's awesome. Thank you so much for that, Matt. That's, that's fan- we'll link to that in the show notes as well and, and a link to your website, which is chmstrategy.com. But uh, wow, incredible knowledge that you've shared here. I appreciate it. Alan appreciates it. And I'm sure our listener appreciates it. So once again, thanks for being on our podcast. No problem. Thank you very much. Oh, Greg, wasn't that fantastic having Matt here today? Mate, let's ra- wrap this up with a couple of killer tips. What, what's, what's your killer tip out of this episode? hire an ad expert <laughs> honestly man it, to me there's so many killer tips in there i just look at it and i just feel overwhelmed just thinking about going into my adwords account these days it's just changed so much so that's my killer tip hire matt or alana or some expert out there Look, absolutely. I mean, I'm one of these business owners that likes to have an understanding of something and I love AdWords, you know, and maybe take a little bit of time to learn it, go in and and test it, do a little bit of DIY, but just know in the back of your head that if you want true success with AdWords, it is a specialty service. You know, it's very much like having an accountant or a lawyer in your business. Some business owners do their own books and lodge their own tax returns. Some use a professional accountant, but you know, I think the majority of business owners understand 
the benefit of having a professional service provider for a specialty uh, service like this? Absolutely. I mean, you you know, even with design, you can use your neighbor's daughter's, uh, you know, auntie's uh, friend to get a, a design. But if you use a professional, you're going to get a much better job. So it's the same with AdWords. Absolutely. Listener, thank you for joining us today on The Real Magic. We'll catch you on the next episode. If you like this episode or if you have any questions for Matt, post them below this episode on our website and he will definitely answer those. And we look forward to seeing you on the on the next episode. See you, listener. See you, Greg. Thanks for listening. See you, buddy. Thanks for listening to The Real Magic Podcast. Hear more at therealmagic.com.